the kingdom of heaven So this is a sweet promised land While angels tell of love Don't break the spell of love Hold my hand So this is the garden of Eden In dreams it was never so grand Let's never leave again Adam and Eve again Hold my hand This is the secret of what bliss is For bliss is what your kiss is At last I understand So this is the kingdom of heaven And here on the threshold we stand Pass through the portal now We'll be immortal now, hold my hand. This is the secret of what bliss is. For bliss is what your kiss is. At last I understand. that's not a particularly contemporary sound. This is episode 326 of PZ's podcast entitled Kingdom of Heaven. And you just heard, believe it or not, a track that was nominated for the Oscar in 1954. The song is entitled Hold My Hand. The version you heard was by Dick Powell, although the big hit in 1954 of the same song is by a different singer. And it was um, the kind of headliner for a remarkable movie by Frank Tashlin entitled... Now, what was the title of it? You know what? I'll just have to leave that with you. Dick Powell and Debbie Reynolds were in it. And um, the uh, song is actually very relevant, and it touches on a theme that I've talked about before, but I want to sort of express a kind of um, chronic uh, kind of almost self-pitying exasperation that I have in relationship to some key themes that I like to develop. It's as if I say these things or I'll say something and then people will say yes, 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 and then they'll just move on as if it doesn't matter when it actually matters at the core of human identity and human exchange. 
and uh, maybe it's uh, people it's not pleasant or maybe it's uh, too close to home or other aspects of a person's life want to suppress this what to me seems uh, extraordinarily germane fact of human existence that the song underlines because the song is very brilliant the song compares the experience of uh, love that the man is having with the girl he so admires with the kingdom of heaven with the garden of eden with utter bliss with uh, all that is ultimately on the threshold of immortality and finally he says finally i realize Finally, I've seen something that I never saw. And some people never see it till the last five minutes or even five seconds of their earthly life. And I will often talk about this theme, and I want to do it in a way that is, is compassionate and empathetic and hopefully not threatening. It's hard not to be threatening, this theme. But it is important, and I see it more than ever. I saw it recently um, in the uh, element of... Uh, of the holding of the hand. Remember how I said in one of my casts that as I was uh, in a liminal state back in the end of April of this year, I was really quite ill. And all I wanted at the time was to, to, have, to have Mary hold my hand, which she most wonderfully and lovingly and um, concretely did for me during especially a, a test that was um, it, it really... Uh, imminent and serious and uh, the physical contact, the holding of the hand. I was with someone who said that his um, mother uh, was very kind of wrapped up in oneself and not a physically very uh, responsive or showing person to her children. And as an adult, uh, as she was dying, um, he put uh, his hand on her hair as she was dying in the hospital. As an adult, he did. And um, she immediately raised her hand. She was at the very end of her life, and she raised her hand from where it was by the side of the bed, uh, inviting him to hold it, and he couldn't quite do it. And that was very powerful to me. He, it was a little bit more than, than, than he could do, and I understand that. He couldn't summon up the, the resources to have this breakthrough, which she so clearly and uncharacteristically wanted. And when I tell the story of Somerset Mom, or I relive the ending, uh, the just next to last scene of Love Story with Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill and um, the needing to be held, people kind of say yes, 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 and they move on. But it's really important because the physical uh, touch at the end, Henry VIII with Thomas Cranmer, what does it say? What does it say that this uh, physical connection of uh, a hand and another hand becomes crucial? In um, The Eighth Day by Thornton Wilder, the uh, hero of the second uh, part of the book is congratulated rather bemusedly by his fellow kind of uh, lackeys in an urban hospital where he is simply a kind of runner and a maker of beds. But whenever he's in a place where there's a poor person is dying, um, he always holds the person's hand tenderly. He always holds the hand and he becomes known as the guy who held the hand. And, and people said, why do you always do that? And then they, but, but they do admit that that's what every single person who's dying in that clinic, that city hospital Everybody seems to want the same thing at the end, some kind of physical hold. And a lot of these people are dying alone, and this man performs that vital service. Well, I talk about that, and people say, ah, you know, that's too, I don't know, that's, something about it is too elemental. Well, something about this song is a little elemental, and that's why I chose it. It was the um, nominated for the Oscar, as I said, in 1954. And you see uh, um, the... Uh, the, the, the movie, and you'll understand why it's so good, uh, if, even if it sounds a little limp. 
now, I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, the forces that are in competition within us <clears throat> all our lives, but more specifically as we come to the time of reckoning and real immediacy about our lives and everything else is kind of taken away, all the secondary soporific possibilities and um, addictions and needs and uh, hopes uh, of kind of a secondary answer, which is 99% of our lives search, uh, kind of get stripped away and uh, we see what's really important. And um, I'm going to give a couple examples and then make a kind of summary comment about it. This is this this cast is is from my money extremely important. Um, and no, you won't you won't accept it. You'll listen to it and that'll be that. Um, but you might remember it later. The thing about um, aging, I'm going to be speaking to the uh, men of Christ Episcopal Church in Greenwich, Connecticut, in a couple of weeks, and I want to say what, it'll sound like a downer, but it's not, because it's really very uplifting, and it's really the key to a good death. It is the key to a good death. Now, why do I say that? It's based on observation. Whatever you think about the human condition cannot be based upon a proposition, although it may agree with a proposition. That is a text message, by the way. I'm on a prayer chain for my church, uh, New Destiny, in uh, Apopka, and uh, we are praying for people who are in extreme physical um, attack and hospital situations. There's never an, a chronic, there never chronic conditions in the church. Everybody seems to be getting very sick when we are praying for them. And uh, uh, so the, the uh, phone rings all day and all night, but I wouldn't turn it off for the world. But the thing about um, looking at life is it has to be empirical and indicative rather than prescriptive or kind of imposing some kind of abstraction on life. We have all sorts of abstract what narratives that we impose, and these have become more important than ever in the world today. Narratives have become really governing. They're kind of what the Pharisees used to be concerned about, a narrative that, according to which if they follow the narrative, uh, they had to be seen to be following the narrative. So the whole thing about having being proving or certifying that you're within an accepted narrative is vast. But whatever is true about that, it's not true. Because the only way to really analyze life is to look empirically, to observe. Now, I don't want to sound like, oh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, you detach and you observe your life. Just, hey, Paul, just take a minute and observe. Um, you know, don't be attached. Well, it's easy, easy for you to say, as Jimmy Webb said, easy for you to say, observe, when we're so attached to these emotional truths of tremendous validity. But what I did notice when I was in a liminal position physically, I did, I did observe certain things that some things became, like almost everything became unimportant. I mean, really unimportant, like almost grotesquely unimportant, almost like, how did I ever think that was important? Important, unimportant. And, um, as I said, the holding of the hand and the confidence that there was eternal life with God. There goes the text again from New Destiny, uh, City of Destiny. I don't want to deny it. Now, um, someone is very sick. Now, observe, observe, watch, and uh, see what happens to you in a given situation of stress. Watch what happens in the stress, and that will be a clue to what is really going on. Don't uh, impose a narrative. And one of the things that I saw, but I've always kind of 
tried to say it. I certainly responded when I did see it. First was the uh, tremendous need for a connection that this is really what people are looking for in life. They're not looking for, and this is where Mockingbird is so brilliant and David's works are so good and the whole uh, picture of the gospel is so important and empirically validated by life is actually achievement and so-called accomplishment fades away instantaneously when you are under physical or really extreme emotional stress. It just becomes, you, you, you literally forget it. I, I actually forget. I'm currently involved in a 50th reunion for my college class, and it's a big deal among a lot of people. And, um, and, and I read, you know, I think about it. What really matters? What do I want to say matters? Well, it has nothing to do with one's uh, career hopes. I mean, nothing to do. It, it has everything to do with certain past experiences or people. You know, I'll suddenly a person will come into my mind that I knew it, you know, Halton Arms School back in Washington in the in the mid 1960s. Uh, someone I have not seen in face to face for you know well over si- like 60 years, and uh, someone will, who I barely knew. I remember my friend Lloyd before he died said that uh, the memory that had made the most uh, he died suddenly, but a memory that he could not shake, and he thought about it every single day of his life, was during a freshman party at Stanford in the fall of 1968. He and a number of students, guys from his school, had gone out there to Stanford to sort of make a statement, and it had its value. And uh, he was sitting on kind of a window ledge, and there was a young, another freshman girl just sitting there. He didn't know her. It was like a mixer, sort of, kind of a hippie mixer, kind of. And suddenly, without any warning at all, completely unprecipitated as far as he could see it, she put her, her she leaned over and put her arms around Lloyd's put her arms around him and kissed him passionately, what we used to call a French kiss. And he, this had simply never happened to him in his entire life. And she took the initiative. He was utterly and completely uh, undone, surprised and totally shocked by this expression of extreme affection uh, in on the ledge of, from a, a person he'd barely ever met, maybe to say, you know, what time is it or something? And um, it made a permanent impression on him forever. He, <clears throat> he, he tried late, a little later, I think, to go out with her, and it, for one reason or another, it didn't work. And then I finally said, well, what happened to her, Lloyd? He said, well, she was killed in a car crash about two years after we graduated. In other words, the chance of really ever following through, as it were, in, on that kiss were, were, were rendered null and void because uh, this is what you often find, that someone that made a huge impression on you is actually not sitting in San Jose thinking about you or sitting, you know, with grandchildren in a nursing home somewhere but hasn't forgotten the connection you had. In fact, the person died or is long gone or had some terrible thing happen to her or him. And so it's all in the mind. But this was what uh, Lloyd, uh, among other, uh, he said, Jesus and women, you know, Jesus and women. And I honor that. I honor that. He was close to something very important. Well, I say that to you because... um, the uh, the power of what's really going on is connection and ultimately connection with God. And the power of the song, listen to it again, um, Hold My Hand by Dick Powell, the famous actor. And uh, that is... Um, the, you know, the arrangement is so 1940s and World War II, and you just want to, are you kidding? This has nothing to do with me at all. Listen to the words because they're uncompromising. I finally found it. 
Finally, I have the secret of life. And this is the secret of life. It's connection. I want to tell you one other thing and ask you to think about it yourself. I, I remember the moment I first saw Mary. I mean, I was a really, I was, gosh, I was 18 when I first, uh, let me get that right. Was that correct? Let me see. 17. No, no, I was, um, yeah, I was uh, 18 when I first uh, was in a room when Mary walked in the door. And immediately I said, I said two things. I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe that smile. I mean, I can't believe the, uh, the extraordinary um, effect of that wonderful smile and the eyes. And then I immediately, then I said, oh, but she'd never fall for me. I'm a, I'm a, scruffy, you know, preppy from up north, and she's a, quote, sorority girl, I think, you know, I assumed. She's a co Carolina co-ed, I assumed. Well, that was sort of true, but I, I, she can't, she wouldn't look at me. Well, I was sort of right, but nevertheless, I was um, the, I was branded, you know, branded with the Mary Kappelman, you know, I was branded on the shoulder, like getting a vaccination, but the opposite effect, and there it was, branded. And uh, so I say that because these uh, this is where the truth of life really is. And I'll tell you one other thing. So I'm reading this book that was written, I think, in, 18, in the 1890s. It may be 1887, but I think it was the third big success by uh, H. Ryder Haggard, the novelist I've spoken to you about before. And he wrote King Solomon's Minds, and then he wrote She, which was his Freudian slash Jungian masterpiece. And it is truly one of the great books of the, of the 19th century for all sorts of important reasons. But then he wrote a little book that was extremely successful called Jess. J-E-S-S, -S. and it's about a, 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 a two sisters growing up under rather unhappy personal circumstances in the Transvaal during the Boer War. They're of English background, and the Dutch and the English are preparing to fight a war, and that's the background, but it's meaningless. You know, if it was a DVD, there'd be a huge, long article about the context of living in the Transvaal in the 18-whatever-it-was when there was tension between the Boer Dutch and the Afrikaners and the uh, and the um, English, but that's not what it's about. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. But at one point, the heroine and a, a, a wonderful uh, English kind of captain uh, are um, from the military, but they're in a, a truly life-threatening terminal situation. And um, they have absolutely no hope of getting out of this situation, which has been caused by a flood. And uh, at any moment, uh, the contraption they're in will be swept away in this massive flood and they have no chance of surviving, no chance of surviving. And she, um, she's about 22 and he's about 32 and they're, um, they have no relationship, uh, except through a sit another person who's not there. And Jess, uh, says to Captain, Captain Peters, I think that's his name. Um, are we sure to die? And he says, well, he gives her all these excuses. And he says, no, I really, we're English and we never say what we really think. But I have to know right now, what are the chances of our survival? And he says, um, well, basically zero. We have no chance of survival. He does finally agree to tell her the actual situation. And she says, all right, okay, I'm, thank you for telling me. Now I can tell you something. I have something to say that I could only say if I knew that we would both, that we would both be dead in the in the next few hours, uh, there's something I've been meaning to say about my life that is um, the most important thing I could possibly say, but I would never, ever say it to anybody unless I knew that I would die very soon after having said it, um, period. And um, he acknowledges it. He has no great, he acknowledges it. 
it has no stake particularly in what she might have to say either way. And then she says what she has to say, which is really coming out of her deepest self, what Jung would have called the uh, the self-field, not the persona, the true self, roar language, or the ego, the false self-field, but out of the self-field, which he regards as the mystical field of the presence of God and the unity of all people through the connection based on the, the, the divine element in the human being aspiring for love and to be loved. And whatever it is, she says what she has to say. And it's shocking and powerful and awesome and unbelievable. And it's all because they have five minutes. Now, isn't that the most amazing thing you've ever heard? Um, I won't say what it is. Read the novel. It's very good. It, it really shoots up in the last third of it. But um, my gosh, um, well, that's what I noticed at my liminal situation in um, the hospital where I was. Uh, the need to, the, the, the thing, thing was stripped away to the one thing needful, which is having this wonderful fellow traveler in life, my wife, hold my hand. And secondly, God speaking to me about his eternal presence, that the two are intimately linked the two are intimately linked. You can't have one without the other. Well, that's my little uh, word, and I hope you uh, love it. And I think I'm going to end by playing you the song that uh, I, uh, I, we're going to listen to again. Listen to it carefully. It's uh, a combination of all that is good and true. Love you. a kingdom of heaven so this is a sweet promised land while angels tell of love don't break the spell of love hold my hand so this is the garden of Eden in dreams it was never so grand Let's never leave again Adam and Eve again Hold my hand This is the secret Of what bliss is For bliss is what your kiss is at last I understand So this is the kingdom of heaven And here on the threshold we stand Pass through the portal now We'll be immortal now What your kiss is At last I understand For this is the kingdom of heaven And here on the threshold we stand Pass through the portal now 